Hi, this is Tutivalis from the Dungeon Place Podcast, and uh, you're listening to the Massacast with uh, Unspeakable Axe. Reminder, this is a podcast for adults 18 or older, so if you're not 18 or older, go tell your mother she loves you. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Massacast. This year will be the year of pushing out the jive, bringing in the love. Thanks to everyone who's been emailing with all the kind words and uh, words of constructive criticism. It's much appreciated. Thanks to those who have uh, rated on iTunes and written uh, reviews. And uh, those who people who continue to uh, add me as a friend on FetLife. Someone emailed me and said, I can't believe you don't have thousands of friends on FetLife. Which is basically like saying, wow, I thought you were a nice pe- person. Clearly, other people do not. That's what you're basically saying when you say that. I thought you were really cool. Clearly, I'm the only one who thinks that. Uh, so you can add me as a friend on FetLife, user Massacast. This episode of the Massacast is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Visit EdenFantasies.com. You can check out their huge library of awesome personal toys, bondage gear, sexual health products. They've got tons of lube. They've got everything you could possibly imagine for all your sexual fantasy fulfillment needs. And uh, like we've mentioned before, all the product reviews are done by people who use them. They're honest reviews. You can uh, you know look at a product and, and people will say, yeah, it's great. However, not the best for this. Or it's the good, it's good for this, not good for that. So you can uh, judge for yourself. And uh, after you're done purchasing, or before you officially click that little submit your credit card information, make sure you enter EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, upon checkout, and you'll save 20% off your order. Thanks to Eden Fantasies sponsor of this episode of the Massacast. Uh, this episode, talking with uh, Tutivlis and Darling Evil, two of the people who are on the Dungeon Place podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, go on iTunes, check out Dungeon Place, and uh, Tutivlis has is, is, uh, got a great podcast he put together. It's basically a roundtable discussion of kinky people in Utah, of all places. If you're not familiar, go check it out, and, uh, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, this conversation was recorded a couple months ago. Like I said, I'm back locked on interviews, so the part of the conversation here that we are, you're about to start listening to is where we were talking about uh, playing at public play parties. Dee and I don't play well when Dee was submissive. Um, when she was playing out submissive, Dee and I wouldn't actually do very many scenes together um, at parties. We did the occasional scene together. But the two of us would not play a whole lot together at parties, at public play parties. Um, Why is that? Is that because uh, you, you, you went to public play parties specifically to play with other people or because it was more intimate and something you wanted to be private with? Um, we went there to play with other people, but also our, it kind of was a, at the time we met, I was not involved with a local scene at all. I'd, I'd kind of taken a vacation for a couple of years from the local scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a period of probably, was it about a year? The, the, first? You, the first year you and I weren't involved at all in the, in the local scene. And then you expressed an interest that you wanted to, to go and see what the local scene was like. Mm-hmm. And so I got in, we got involved again, and by that time, Dee and I had figured out that um, we had some different interests in our play, 
like she, as I mentioned, she likes rope. Um, I'm not good with rope. <laughs> right. I'm just I use rope to bind people, and that's really about it. I don't have the patience for uh, shibari or suspension. I've learned how to do it, but I just don't have the patience for it. Yeah. And Dee really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. And plus, I, being a sadist, you pretty much have to find a masochist, and Dee is not a masochist. Um, she enjoys a good flogging and can take one hell of a beating with a flogger. But if I break out the paddles or anything like that, she just looks at me and goes, um, there's no way in hell you're going to use those on me. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it, it became uh, pretty evident that uh, there were certain types of play that we would, that we would reserve for each other that was very intimate. Um, but for public play parties, uh, I, that's where I would kind of unleash a lot of my sadist tendencies, sadistic tendencies. And Dee found partners that she could play with that would tie her up and would help her explore some other interests of hers. And it worked out very well. And then occasionally we'd, we'd do scenes that we had worked out that we thought would be kind of fun to play together with, and we'd do those. So what was that conversation like when, when you, I mean, well, you probably didn't have to have a conversation too, too much to realize, okay, you know, we have interests that aren't matching, you know, 100% compatible, which is like most couples, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was the conversation like? How did you guys have that conversation where you were like, okay, well, um, you have these desires for rope, D, so uh, you can find someone else to do, you know, to do that, to do rope play with you? I mean, is, is that basically how simple the conversation went? Or how did you, how did you negotiate that? I don't even think it... it it wasn't even like a negotiation. It was, you know, we're at a, we're at a party. There's somebody there that we know does rope very well. You know, I watched him do a scene and it was just looking over and saying, I, I want to do that and getting go for it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've had an open relationship pretty much from the beginning, mm -hmm. and we were even involved in the swing community and, and things like that for a while before we decided that we'd concentrate pretty much on just the BDSM community. So, I mean, our dynamic, we, we learned very quickly how to communicate, uh, you know, how to communicate desires, wants, needs, and realize what we wanted to do together and what we wanted to do separately. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that whole, those, all those boundaries are pretty much already communicated before we even got to the point where, where we were starting to explore different interests in the BDSM play world. So yeah, it really, I mean, it really did come down to the point where it's just, you look at someone and go, Oh, I want to try that. You know, like, well, okay. And off you go. You know, well, since she was never collared, a lot of people assumed she was submissive to me for a very long time. Um, but uh, that, once they started getting to know the two of us a lot better, they, I think it finally dawned on people that she was not my submissive. She was her own person and uh, she started just kind of branching out on her own. So, uh, you mentioned that uh, you chose, uh, you, you were dabbling in swinging and BDSM, and you chose BDSM. What uh, what was it about the swing community that you didn't 
that, well, I should say that didn't resonate with you as much as the BDSM community? Um, I think the swing community got, uh, after a while, it got very boring. It got very mundane. Um, I've, you felt like you were going on first dates every single time you yeah. meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, our, you know, we were online. Our profile, spe- you know, specifically said that we were kinky and these were, you know, some of our, our kinks that we liked and everything. And then we were kind of labeled the scary couple and then we were <laughs> freaks or the freaks <laughs> or we were, or we were the couple that people would come up to secretly and say, I really want to know more about that. I really want, you know, this to happen or this to happen. And, and it, it we got tired of being the, you know, first for everybody, you know, yeah. first to break this cherry, first to break this cherry, and then they're gone. And I don't know, it just, like I said, I think it just got boring and it just got old and we were just ready for something different to exp- and to have longer lasting relationships than we were finding in the swing community. We made friends, but their relationships didn't seem to last very long. Whereas now, you know, we're in, in our community here in the BDSM community and you know you can not play and but still be involved yeah. you can still go you know to the events and you you meet such a variety of people you know of all walks of life and you just meet some just some great some great people and we've fostered some wonderful relationships you know and especially through the podcast you know we really sealed um some great friendships out of it and so i think that's kind of what more we were looking for. We really wanted to have the kink and we really wanted to have more of the, uh, the closeness with the people that we were playing with. Yeah. And also it kind of came down to a choice where you could either express your sexuality or your kink, but you couldn't express both. And both of us being bisexual, um, of course they don't have a problem with female bisexuals, but male bisexuals, you actually run the risk of getting you know, the shit beaten out of you in the swing community. They're very, they're not tolerant at all of uh, male bisexuality. So it just came down to a choice of um, you can either be kinky or you can be bisexual, but you can't be both. It seems I, I've heard that I've heard that the that there is in the swinging community a huge uh, a huge fear of male bisexuality so much. So, I mean, I've heard that before so much so that, um, uh, if a woman wants two guys, that's really kind of looked down upon. If you're at an orgy at a swing club, that's really looked down upon. I was talking to uh, Mia from me on top and she had mentioned that that was a big frustration for her that, you know, that, uh, it was, if you wanted to have a guy and two girls, that was like, awesome, yes, that's that's what they're there for. But if you wanted, if a woman wanted two guys, even if it was two guys in, both of them being in, you know, completely heterosexual, just the fact that the two guys were in the vicinity that was sort of looked down upon. You can run into a lot of situations like that. It depends on the guy. I mean, there are some people that are just, they just don't care. Yeah. You know, almost everyone that knew us fairly well knew that I was bisexual just because I was fairly open about it. I didn't put it on profiles because, you know, it's just like, well, it's kind of a kiss of death type thing, even more than the kink. But um, I was very open with them. If they asked me, I would just tell them. But, you know, I didn't hit on anybody, although I had a lot of people hitting on me. Um, But, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, I'll respect your whatever you want. 
I, I'm not going to hit on you if you don't want to be hit on. And plus, I'm a really picky bisexual when it comes to guys. <laughs> I think I think D's actually seen me kiss two guys in our entire in our entire really in the entire four years we've been together. I've seen him kiss two guys. Yeah, and that's as far as she's ever seen me go. Yep. <laughs> I'm just really really picky. It's a damn shame. I was too. just going to say you sound really disappointed in that. I am. I have been waiting. <laughs> so are you saying? Are you saying like? Maybe for an anniversary gift or something that you you can't find a guy on, uh, I don't know Craigslist or anything just to just to give her a show for one night. Oh, I wouldn't need to look on Craigslist. There are actually guys that are friends of ours that um, would willingly go there. So, uh, so, so you just maybe maybe a birthday present. Yeah, I'll, no. <laughs> it just hasn't. There has just hasn't been one of those, one of those. Uh, just the opportunity, so right. to speak. Other than maybe if if one of our parties turned into a giant orgy or something like that, then you know, who I, knows, but. there's two things of what what you guys have said in the past few minutes that have really um, kind of surprised me a little bit. Is that the swinging community really looks down? I mean, I didn't know that they were that shocked by kink um, and looked down upon it that much. I've only been to uh, you know a couple swingers parties and and they were they definitely weren't kinky. Um, but they didn't seem too, you know, they didn't seem too, you know, shocked by it, I guess. But then again, nothing was happening around, you know, maybe in their mind they think spanking is as kinky as it gets. I don't know. Um, and the other thing, too, is D, you said it got so boring. And I just imagined the, these words coming out of your mouth. <sighs> well, off to the orgy again. And that seems yeah. like that, that seems like words that would never come out in so, out of someone's mouth. In a yeah, boring it, way, but it is it is boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, and you know the thing is, is I don't like orgies. <laughs> I, I I I it's not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but and, and she was the one that actually got him started a lot of the time. Yeah, too. I'd be the I'd be the first one naked. Yeah, she'd just come ripping out of a bathroom and start tearing off her clothes and say, "All right, let's get this shit started," and that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> so that doesn't sound like someone who hates orgies. Yeah, I. They're just kind of a pain in the ass, pain to be honest, ass, honest with you. I mean, because you, uh, it's just the dynamics of them that are that are kind of a pain. All right, for, for, for someone who's never been to an orgy, uh, explain what is a pain in the ass of an orgy. And I'm not laughing at you. I'm just thinking this sounds completely opposite of every blog post about orgies I've ever read. Okay, every blog. It's not like the penthouse. Oh, I was at this party and you wouldn't believe what. I never thought it would happen to me. It's not like that. I no, mean, no. Jesus, you've got. Let's see, you've got all these people, and immediately you walk in a room, and it usually starts with maybe four or five people, and then you get these people naked on the bed, and they're usually people who thought, okay, this would be fun if all of us got together and just started having sex. On the bed. On the bed, which is a bad idea to begin with, because me, and I know I'm not the only one because I've talked to other people about this, I hate having sex on a bed with other people because you just get all these different rhythms going and it just fucks you up. That's why you need music <laughs> playing with a specific beat, maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah, or, or something. I would rather move off the bed and be on the floor. Okay. Or kick everyone else off the bed and have it to myself. But you get, you know, you get this small group of people and then you get other people wandering in the room. And let's be perfectly honest, a lot of them, you wouldn't want them to touch you. Or you wouldn't want to touch them. Yeah. It's just you have nothing in common with them, and in talking with them, you're like, I have no no vibe with you, and I just don't 
want parts of you touching parts of me. Yeah. And then immediately they think, oh, because this is an orgy, it's a free-for-all. I can go ahead and stick whatever I want, wherever I want. So you begin, honestly, you're having this conversation in your head. Okay, what am I going to do if this person comes up next to me? Or GD is over there, and she might not see this guy sneaking up behind her, and I know she doesn't want him sticking his cock in her. Uh, Da-da-da-da-da. And you just, it, it becomes like a giant referee match. Yeah. And, yeah. and God forbid someone has a dog in the room. Yeah, okay, we've so had that happen before. Okay, so there's a story. Okay, we're at, we're at this house, <laughs> and we're we're on there's a group of us on the bed, and there's um, a couple on the floor, and it's the guy's house who's on the floor, and he's he's fucking a woman, and his dog walks in, and this is a very friendly dog, Jeez. and the friendly dog walks up, and sniffs the behind of the guy that is fucking me. And he immediately loses erection. Gone. Then the dog goes over and licks the balls of his owner. And the guy does not stop. Oh, my God. And we're like, holy shit. This This, is a zoo dog. This this is a zoo dog. (laughs) This dog has been trained. (laughs) That's horrible. It's like... (laughs) We got the hell out of the bedroom. It's like... Me and, and the, the guy I was with, the friend I was with, were like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Let's go eat some <laughs> chips or something. <laughs> this is nuts. You know, and I mean, have have your zoo parties if you want. But don't mix it with with people who don't want the zoo party. It almost <laughs> sounds like he trained the dog. Okay, as soon as the action starts up, I want you to come in and then just start licking my balls. And then I'll be uh-huh. like, oh, how did that happen? Oh, well, yeah, since he's here. He might just be, I mean, that might be his way of finding other people to invite to the zoo parties. I mean, we've had, I've had people approach us, are you guys into zoo? It's like, no, but. We like our animals, we just don't fuck them. Yeah. Right. That, that's your kink, and we're not going to knock your kink, but, you know, I don't like mixing them with the orgy. It's <laughs> it's not yes. peanut butter and chocolate. That is, that, that, yeah, you're right, yeah. I, you know, one of my biggest problems, having come from the, BDSM community first before I even ventured into swing. Um, the big problem that I always, always, always had was just kind of the lack of respect. Um, you know, I would go to the bathroom and I would come out of the bathroom and there would be like two or three guys trying to mount up on D <laughs> at a party. It's just like, holy shit, guys. I leave for like two minutes. You know, just do you mind if I mount your woman? You know, that would Jesus. be nice. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be just really nice rather than me having to come out there and start slapping you guys around. You know, it's just that whole thing always irritated me yeah. and I'm not a possessive guy. I really am not a possessive guy, but that just, that always just pissed me off because they're, they're very handy. I mean, yeah. they're all hands. Yeah. They figure they can touch you. If you're there, you can be touched. Yeah. And, it and just, I'm sorry, you're not going to come up and grab my tit. And not even know my name. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just stuff like that just was always irritating. So, you know, I mean, the one thing that I I enjoy about the King communities, you've always got that, I don't know, that layer of protocol. Yeah. You know, it's it's just always, it's always there no matter, you know, even if it's a very low protocol, you know, you always just kind of, you know, you always ask. You just don't go up and grab somebody and start beating them with a flogger or a paddle or, or, or hitting them. You know, you, you simply, you start talking to them and, and you get some kind of rapport going 
and at least a minimum amount of negotiation before you start anything. I think, yeah, I think people in the kink community are, are more, I mean, obviously it still happens. You still have the occasional uh, person will just come out and just start playing with someone without asking. But that, I mean, that's pretty rare, uh, at least in my experience. It doesn't happen that often. It, you know, uh, I hear stories, of course, but um, it's pretty rare. And I think the reason why is because because people have such varying different interests. I mean, at, 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 a, at a swingers party or something like that, if you're going to have vanilla sex, you know, you you know that there are certain things that go along with that, right? I mean, there's there are variations of, but vanilla sex is vanilla sex, right? Right. Whereas, right. you know, the only question you might have to ask is, are you into anal? You know, or, or, you know, that type of thing. But with BDSM, there's so many different options and different possibilities, right? Right. Um, and I think that's, we're, we're sort of, you know, trained. We know that we have to ask before we do certain things if we don't know the person very well. Right. And, you know, I mean, we had some great experiences in the swing community. I mean, it's not like it's a nightmare, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a nightmare hole. But it's, you know, I mean, it, it's just a different thing. Yeah. And, and it does get kind of boring after a while because it's the same old, same old, same old. Mm-hmm. And you're right, with, with the kink community, you get so many variations of things. And plus, it's inevitable that, you know, you will get new people in the community who have come from new locations who know different things. And so there's kind of always this churn going on. And you look at something and you go, ooh, I want to learn that. Yeah. So you pick up new skills almost constantly. If you want to know something, you can find it. And... That is rather unique, and it's a lot of fun. Have you noticed uh, as well, I mean, we were talking about how uh, the swingers community is sort of uh, shocked by by kink. I had a conversation with a friend recently about how kink is sort of sometimes shocked, you know, the BDSM community is sometimes shocked with sex. If you're at a public, you know, if you're, if you're at a play party um, <laughs> and someone starts having sex, people are kind of like, what, what the hell's going on here, you know? Um, have you found that to be true as well, or is it just, we don't have, we don't have sex to play parties here. It's not, it's, it's frowned upon. Yeah. It it used to not be that way. Um, at, at, we have a couple different groups here in, in the Salt Lake area that, um, are organized and hold organized, um, play parties. Mm -hmm. And at one of the larger ones, um, it happens on a monthly basis. Um, they actually used to have a, reser- a room reserved, like a grotto reserved for sex. Mm-hmm. And that went away, actually, a little while ago. And now it's pretty much frowned upon. I mean, you can do everything but have penetration, uh, like... like Penal vaginal penal vaginal penetration. You can put a strap on and fuck somebody. You can fist somebody. You can give head with a condom. Uh, to people, whatever, all that's allowed. But the penal vagina, vaginal uh, penetration—it's almost taboo. Why do you think that is? Um, well, the excuse is that they're afraid that they'll get busted for prostitution. But that's not really the case. I don't really know what the what the real reason is. I mean, we, I've I've I've, I've been to, to pl- private parties. You know, I've been to private parties as well. And, you know, the same thing, you know, people start getting a little too intimate. People are like, whoa, what the hell? Get a room, you two, you know. 
Yeah. And, you know, private parties, it, it's, it kind of falls to a matter of choice. There are some that, that are like, you know, go ahead, do whatever you want. And others where it's no sex, please. Yeah. And, but the ironic thing is, is I've been to the same location where they have the, the public play parties for the, for the pansexual group. But I've been to the same location for um, play parties for the Leatherman. And there, it's anything goes. And you, within five minutes, there are people fucking each other, <laughs> left and right. I mean, and, and it's, you know, that's one thing I love about Leatherman parties is because those guys have, the, have sexual energy to spare. And it really is anything goes. I mean, those guys are just, they're, they're out there, they're having fun, and they don't really give a rat's ass about what anyone thinks. Yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, it's hardcore play. And I really wish that, <laughs> I wish more Leathermen showed up at the, at the pansexual parties. Here, I, they, I don't know what it's like in, in, in your area, in New York, if the Leatherman community and the pansexual community is more um, integrated than it is here. But... Um, if the two could merge more and have and share some of that energy, I think that sexual question would kind of go away. You know, I've got a friend who's bi, and um, you know, he's he's talked about how you know he's submissive, and uh, he said it's we, we were complaining about how hard it was to find dominant women, and um, this was obviously before I met Sad, and he said, which is by the way, what all single submissive guys do—that's all they do—is complain about how hard it is to. Make and uh, and he was talking about how he was he goes you know if you just ever want to get laid it doesn't you know if you want to get laid in a sexual you know sense not just get spanking or something like that just come to one of these parties because you, you could you could be you could go in and come out in a half hour and have everything done to you that you want you know and yeah. and I was like wow you know that's 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 amazing that's incredible why you know why is it so different on the other side um, do you have a theory of why why that is why why is it the the leatherman can uh, they you know they i guess you say know how to party and you know more than the uh the straight scene Ooh, yes i have a theory um and it's it, it, it's not a popular one are, are, are you sure you want me to to lay it out <laughs> sure sure i'm not afraid to lay out unpopular theories sure go ahead um here it is. I think that the 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 pansexual community, because that's just how I'm gonna label them. Because you know we have we claim to be open, we claim to be uh, tolerant of all sexual orientations. Um, but I, I I think that we're still very puritanical in in how we view sex. We're shocked when we see people playing uh, sexually with other people. If we see people in a couple uh, playing sexually with other people who aren't part of that couple, and we don't know how to handle being sexual in public situations, uh, even in the BDSM community where sexuality is such an important part of our expression, we just, as, as adults, we haven't broken through that part of our programming yet. We've broken through almost everything else. Guys can hit women. Women can hit guys. We can stick our fists in people. We can cut people with knives. We can hit them with batons. We can do whatever. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, to you know, holding someone down, face down in the, in the carpet, and stepping on their head and fucking them, we can't do that yet. 
it's really, really just tough. Well, why do you why do you think uh, the Leatherman scene, the gay BDSM scene, has no problem doing that, and as you said, the pansexual scene has a problem with that? Why? Why? Um, they're more laissez-faire. I mean, they they want to live for today. There you, there I mean, you go. frankly, when they come to party, they just come to party. Yeah. It is it is a union of of like minds coming together to do one thing with a single-minded intensity. They are coming to play, and that play has a very wide spectrum and a very just a furious intensity. And you can't help but watch it and get caught up in it. It is amazing and just wonderful. Um, it, you know, I mean, they're just there to celebrate. Yeah. Period. And we don't do that. We put so much. It's almost like we make a chore out of these public play parties. Or out of these play parties, you know, okay, this has to be this way, this has to be this way, this has to be this way. You know, if you go to some of the Leatherman parties, it's like, well, we don't give a fuck. Where's this where's the swing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? That that's really it. I, and and you I think another thing is is it's just all guys. You know, at a Leatherman party, it's just all guys. Everyone has the same parts, everyone has the same bits. You know what a cock looks like. Yeah. You know, and if you've got one guy watching a scene and he's masturbating and another guy is, is over there making someone suck him off, other guy's over there fucking another guy, you know, it's all activities that you're very familiar with and you don't have to stare or, or even really care what they're doing because you already know what it is. Yeah. Whereas it kicks into the programming again if you've got someone fucking, some guy fucking a woman or some woman fucking a guy, you want to see their bits. Yeah. But you don't want to get caught staring because that's rude. But you're still fascinated by all the undulations going on, and 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 it's kind of like you know you're caught in the headlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I think we're just intimidated by that, which we really shouldn't be. Because I mean, God, what's the difference between I mean, fisting someone is far more uh, stareworthy in my opinion than than watching someone fuck. Hell, I can I'm I'm kind of desensitized to porn at this point. And someone fucking in, in, in real life, I'll just kind of, huh, they're fucking cool. Ooh, fisting. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just that kind of thing. It's, I, I think that's what it is. I think we're scared of getting caught looking because we're just programmed that way. Yeah, I can see that. That was a perfect, I don't think that was a crazy uh, theory. I don't think that was a very controversial theory. Yeah, but, you know, our community thinks we're so enlightened and we're so, you know, we're so above such things because we're so tuned into our sexualities and sexual minds and sexual selves. And, and in in reality, we're just as hung up as the preacher and his wife in many ways, <laughs> you know, and that's really what kind of gets people is you tell them that and you're like, uh-uh. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Really, we are. Otherwise, you know, this would be kind of a free for all these parties. Well, it's sort of like everyone. Everyone sort of likes to believe that they're more. Uh, everyone likes to think that they're more intelligent than they are. Everyone likes to think that they're more evolved than they are. Everyone. I mean, I, however, am exactly as smart as I think I am. That's a big difference, though. That's. Yeah. That's how I'm different from everybody else. Cause... I know I'm not as smart as I was when I was 17, but. Um, you know, <laughs> My key is to, your... to set the bar really low. Yeah, well, I mean, what's your take on it as, as a woman, Dee? I don't know. Well, I don't know why. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know that you don't necessarily have a problem being naked in public or, or even, I mean, you would strap on your penis gag and 
and and fuck someone's face in public and wouldn't really have an issue with that. Would you fuck someone in public if it was part of a, a scene where? I mean, would you have an issue with that? I don't person. I personally wouldn't have an issue because I've had sex in front of people before. But I think the issue would be, I would. It would feel weird if everybody was looking at me and being judgmental. Mm. That's kind of, you know, I can't believe she's doing that. You know, there's not supposed to be sex here. Why are they having sex here? That's not, you know, that's not a part of, of BDSM. And I, th- and I think, you know, in talking, you know, you, we, we've, we're so, you know, evolved in our sexuality and everything. There's been such a push to say BDSM is not about sex. It doesn't have to involve sex. I think we've gone so far away from it now that that's what we practice. We're monks in leather. Yeah. <laughs> right. we've, we've decided that, yes, BDSM does not have to involve sex. It can involve other things and this exchange of energy, which it does. But now we're not going to have sex at all here. See, I've never really, I mean, personally, I've never really bought into that. I mean... I mean, I, I guess, you know, there are certain things that, uh, you know, like service and stuff like that that doesn't, that isn't sexualized for me. But anything else is sexual on some level, um, mm-hmm. even if it's the slightest level. But like, now, Dee, have you ever gone to an all-woman's party? And I'm not about to ask you for photos if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> no, that there has not been an all-woman's party there's been an event there was an event that was a woman's event that men were invited and it was a non it wouldn't have been a sexual event at all okay because i have friends who um will have all women you know parties play parties and i've heard stories as well that they're they're they're, they're just insane they're just insane you know and and i'm just i was just thinking well what and i've been to this person's party when she's had you know a straight couples party or I should say just a couples party and and those parties haven't been insane but yet at the same time I've heard about her all women parties and they're just in they're just crazy now they could be doing it just to rile me <laughs> no I can see where that would be I mean just gauging on the women in the community that we are friends with if there was an all women's party it would go off the rails pretty quickly but I think some of it has to do with experimentation. You're experimenting um, with women and men aren't around, gawking, and and you can kind of maybe let loose. You don't have to worry about being judged, you know, your body being judged or, you know, what you're doing. And I don't know. I think it just it would it would feel different. And it's something that I would, you know, absolutely love to experience would be just women. Done. And see what that is like. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> I don't think you can be there, though. I don't. Uh, no, no, I don't okay. have to be. That's okay. okay. That's perfectly just, good with just me. Just hear the dirty details later. Or get a hidden microphone just so you can listen to it later. This episode of the Mastercast is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Enter EFCAST, E-F-C-A-S-T, upon checkout and save 20% on your order. So, D, uh, we, you know, we, we had briefly mentioned earlier that... Um, uh, your preferences have evolved. Yes. Um, you want to explain how, how they've evolved? Um, when I started to get into this lifestyle, I really came in wanting to be a submissive. I really felt that that was my role. Um, 
and, you know, wanted to fully embrace it. Uh, I believe that, uh, that Tutivalis here knew that I was not a submissive, but he played along. <laughs> Wait, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, all right, well, well all I'll right. hammer you, I guess. He would put me in situations that I would be topping. Yeah. <laughs> Were you doing that on purpose? Um, to some extent, yeah. <laughs> like, can you give us an example, D, of, of a situation he put you in? The the first the first time I ever talked, we were at um, at the local uh, Utah Burn, which is you know the local Burning Man here mm-hmm. out in Utah, um, and we were at we had a camp with another group, and we had a um, some BDSM furniture set up, and people would come by and they would get flogged or whatever, and this young man came up and said. Um, to, to me and to, uh, to Tibulus that he wanted, to, he wanted me to make him cry. And I'm thinking, I can't do that. I'm not, how am I going to make this guy cry? And, um, yeah. I coached her. He, he said, he <laughs> said, be back in a half hour. She'll be ready. <laughs> oh, so wow. Went, no pressure. None. No pressure. So, you know, I, I was actually in the middle of getting changed and getting ready for the evening. So I got ready and came out and he was there waiting. In a tutu. In a pink tutu. Yes. So, you know, got him up on the bench and, you know, you, I pull, I just pulled from memory things that I've experienced, things that I've watched other people do, um, technique that I've watched because I, I do a lot of studying anyway of, of people and of the situation. So I just started paddling him and flogging him. And pretty soon I was just being offered different instruments of torture. I would give her a choice of like, I'd, I'd hold two instruments in, in my hands and I'd just hold them out to her and she would grab whichever one appealed to her at the moment. That was all, that was all I would do. I would, I would not, Tell her, hit him there, do this to him, do this to him. I wouldn't even say a word. I'd just offer instruments out of the out of the voluminous bag of, of death. <laughs> so what were you thinking at this point, D? Were you, were you, were you, on, you were just on lustful autopilot, or were you thinking, I can't believe I'm actually doing this? Or? No, I, was com- I saw nothing else around me except this young man in front of me, and the man handed me the instruments. I said nothing else. I said nobody watching, but there was apparently I had a crowd. Oh yeah, <laughs> and pictures were being and taken. pictures were being taken, and and in the end, we have a, a small paddle that really is a terrible, terrible beast. It's and a little I, hairbrush paddle. It hurts, <laughs> and I just took it and I went to this young man and I told him to kiss the paddle because this was going to be the one that made him cry and I beat the living shit out of him until he bled and he cried (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome so you so it's it's safe to say you you were completely uncomfortable with the situation it sounds like you know I I I was like I said I was completely on autopilot by then. Um, <laughs> performed, you know, did aftercare on him, 
Um, I was with him for about a half hour after that. And for the next 24 hours, I had the worst guilty feelings that I had hurt this poor guy's ass <laughs> and what it must look like. And I can't believe I did that. <laughs> How long until I mean, you got felt, over it? I felt bad. Mm -hmm. But yes, I did get over it. I had, to, I had to get her a circus girl to help her feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, you realize, okay, this is something you wanted to do more of, I guess. No, you know, I didn't after that. Oh, really? I, really. I, it wasn't something that I had a lot of interest in still. And still he would put me in situations where I would be co-topping with him. Yeah. I want you to co-top me, co-top with me on this. I want you to do this. I want you to help me out with this. And so it got to the point where I was not doing a lot of submissive things unless I went and pursued it because it was something I liked to do. It was more me helping out somebody else. And then I realized that I had a lot of fantasies of things I wanted to do to people that I really did have a lot of sadistic things that I didn't want to look at, but that, that were really there. And it, it's not, it's not a bad thing mm -hmm. that I like that I like to hurt people because they want me to do it. You know, there it's, it, it's that exchange. Right. Um, so, you know, so then I said, well, I'm a switch pretty much. That's what I said. You know, okay, I'll be a switch and, and, you know, I'll still sub for some things and, and I'll top for other things. It got to the point now where it's like, you know, I'm just, I'm dominant. I, I think the final straw for me was when, um, we, you know, we hadn't played for a while and we went overseas and we were in a uh, Japanese BDSM bar and Jutivalis decided that he was going to show the uh, people of the bar me getting flogged so he tied me up and he flogged me and normally i enjoy flogging i mean it's one of those things that i just absolutely love i love the feel of it um and it, you know i think of was i fucking hate this <laughs> <laughs> this is not feeling good critiquing every time he hit me with a stroke of it that was in the wrong place. He hit my kidney. He wrapped here. And then I thought, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not having fun. I am not hitting subspace. I am, I am not losing myself how I used to. Yeah, it was that, I think it was that turning point for, plus they were also just not good floggers. <laughs> <laughs> well, little tiny space really long floggers was that difficult for both of you to go through that oh no no i was having a hard time with that scene because it was the a very difficult space to work in um it was hilarious because we had a friend of ours who lives in osaka and he's american but he speaks japanese pretty much fluently and as i'm tying up d he's he's a photographer over there and as I'm tying up D, he's he's telling he's leaning over to us and going, the men are saying, oh my, what large breasts she has. So he's translating for us. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going. So it was really actually quite comical that 
Yeah, I mean, it just the scene, you know, I mean, it didn't last very long because it just wasn't a lot of the energy that normally you normally get. By the way, you just described ha half of the all Japanese game shows, by the way. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, just it, the energy, there was just a whole different kind of energy there. And, you know, I, I prior to that, it was becoming pretty obvious that D was be, becoming a lot more interested in topping. She just hadn't reached that point where, okay, I feel comfortable doing this now. Mm -hmm. But I think that was just kind of the turning point for her. And when she, when she, when we, when we got back, and when we got into a situation where we were um, able to start playing again, uh, she just pretty much made up her mind. I, I would put her in those situations because I saw very early on that she had this natural ability to uh, to be dominant. Mm -hmm. You know, you could tell by the way if when certain situations uh, manifested themselves, she would take a very dominant approach to them. You know, like a uh, one time we were at a swing club uh, that got set up here in Utah. Shocker of all things, a swing <laughs> club in Utah. Um, and there was this. <laughs> she was waiting in line to go to the bathroom, and she had a towel wrapped around herself. And there was this guy who had been drinking a little too much, and he yelled across the room, uh, drop the towel, and she just stared at him. <laughs> and he kind of cowered and sat down. <laughs> you know, just little things like that that, you know, I mean, a submissive wouldn't really do all that easily. So, D, yeah. and when you, re when you realized, when you said to yourself, oh, my God, I'm dominant, was there, you know, what, was there anything that changed for you? at that point i mean as far as uh how you approach people or uh any personal goals or was it just okay now you're just topping now um it's it's an evolution still i i just i don't know how to approach as a dominant i think um a lot of the maybe a lot of the language um, a lot of the mannerisms, things like that. I'm, I can be fairly dominant anyway, just in my regular normal life. You know, I'm kind of I, I like control. I, I like to be in control, and I like to take charge of different things. So I have that ability. Mm -hmm. But I think just transferring it over, and knowing, and not asking, and not being. I don't know how to say it. It's I just I. It feels like I don't know how to do it yet feels like I'm not and it feels like I'm not ready to do it like on a regular basis mm -hmm. like I'll play with somebody but I I've realized and it's been pointed out to me that when I'm meeting somebody new I don't start out a conversation and establish my dominance right away and that's where the the pitfall is as I do it we're on a peer-to-peer -peer level and so then it makes a, a that much more difficult for them to look at me as being a dominant female. Yeah, um, she's actually got a teacher relationship with uh, another, with a, a, a daddy dominant in the community who is very well versed in, in more of the mechanics of the, uh, the protocols. Because the person, you know, I'm not the best one to teach her because A, um, 
I the protocols are not my best subject, mm-hmm. and also it's not uh, the person you're in the relationship with is that you're married to is probably not your best teacher, right? In in both of our opinions, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's best to learn from someone else. Uh, so she's got someone that she's that she's learning from who knows these these particular is a heck of a lot better than I do, and who is easier for her to learn from uh and who you know i can look at also and just go oh right okay that makes sense <laughs> so it it she she picks up she knows i mean d knows how to do a scene very 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 well she approaches scenes completely different than i do which is a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to co-top with because my approach to creating a scene is completely different than her approach and the two of us, when we do co-top scenes, um, it's a hell of a lot of fun. But uh, they're very different. So, D, for, for you, D, it, it, it sounds like you're saying it's, it's um, the difficult part for you is when you initially meet someone? When I initially meet, definitely. It's, it's like I said, establishing that that dominance right away in a conversation, mm-hmm. especially if I mean them online. Um, you know, I'm on fit life as a, as a dominant woman now. And I get some, some nice people that are contacting me, but I get some odd people that are contacting me as well. Um, and I don't know quite how to answer them. I know how to answer them. If it was, if it was just me, if it was everyday me, this is how I would answer. Mm-hmm. If it's dominant me, how does dominant me answer this without seeming rude? Um, and how do I say no without seeming rude? Well, I mean, okay, I, I've seen a lot of the emails that Saad gets. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> Usually it it starts with this sound. Whenever whenever she gets one of these emails, it starts with this sound. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh shit! What uh, what did someone with a penis do now?" You know. Um, so uh, no, just one quick side question. So you used to be uh, labeled as submissive on Fet Life. Yeah. Have you noticed a difference in either quantity or types of emails that you get from random guys? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Care to share? Uh, The last one I got was a guy that was really into, and this is being, this is being labeled dominant now. um, Really into um, anal, Mm -hmm. putting things in his ass and really wanting to do anal stretching and really wanting to be anally fisted. And to cool on you, whatever. And I'm looking at my profile and I'm like, where does it say in there that I want to like fist an ass? Does it say anything in there about anal stretching? No. <laughs> Maybe he thought there was some sort of code written, you know. I don't know. You take every third letter. But, you know, I just basically said, I just, you know, emailed him back and said, you know, really not interested, you know, good luck in your journey. Hope you find what you're looking for. But so when you were submissive, you wouldn't get guy. Did you get? I I got. Uh, you know, when I was submissive, I got almost no email at all. That's really that's really interesting. I I, I mean, 
I, I have friends who are on dating sites too, and and uh, you know if they're switch, they get you know some submissive, they get some. As soon as they you know if they switch their, their profile to dominant, it's like it's like someone turned a spigot on or something like that, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you're saying you were saying that you know all 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 male submissives complain about how hard it is to find dominant women, right? You know, and whereas it's a very interesting thing in the community how at least here in Utah, I don't really know outside of Utah. Um, well, I, I think all, all male submissive men in America need to go to Japan because <laughs> oh, really? the women run everything in Japan <laughs> and, and, and a good chunk of them are all are, are, um, are, there are a lot of dominant women in Japan. Yeah. Um, but you know, in Utah, at least there are, there's a high percentage of submissive women to dominant men. Really? Yeah. There's tons of submissive women in Utah. Yeah. Well, wow, it sounds like Utah is, is like the opposite of of the rest of the country, it seems like. Oh, it's... Yeah, it's um rather It's how they're raised. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> it's, all it's all them it's all them Mormon girls coming out into the curious world of BDSM. That's right. So let's talk about the podcast. Okay. What what made you decide to start a podcast i mean in, 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 let me tell you my theory of what happened and then okay. you can tell me uh if this is how it worked went out a bunch of your friends came over you guys were having some really good conversations about kink and then someone said you know what we should record this and put it out as a podcast no no nope. damn it no oh, i lost a wager no what happened really simply this is gonna be boring uh i listen you know i'm a geek and so I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I was listening to one of Leo Laporte's podcasts. Do you know who he is? Yeah, oh, I, I listened to several of his, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to his, and I really liked his his format, where he had you know a, a small group of experts, or seemingly experts, on a field, and he would just have this kind of informal discussion about topics. Yeah. And I thought, well, that sounds pretty cool. I want to do that with kink. And I really hadn't heard that before. And I wanted to make it informal to where it wasn't like, um, you are Dom, you are sub, you are sub, you are Dom. I wanted just to make it a free-for-all. Yeah. And so I kind of put a call out in the community uh, for people who would be interested in engaging in a project. And I actually made the people that respond sign NDAs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I really wanted to get it structured before I, I got it off the ground. And we met, we had a few people just sit down and we met, um, came up with a few strategies, tried out a couple practice runs, and then just started putting it together. And it evolved. People came in and out of the panels. Um, we have a few stalwarts who are almost always there. Yeah. Um, but we also have people that just move in and out. We have guests occasionally. Um, and... You know, it just sort of went off the rails and exploded. Now we've got big panels, um, but we also are trying to go deeper into some really almost uncomfortable topics in the community because they're just topics that people don't talk about that need to be talked about, like we did the one on adult baby play. Yeah, I heard that one, yeah. Um, and that one kind of came as a surprise because... Three of our panelists pretty much outed themselves. Really? 
Yeah, in fact, we didn't even know about it. They just pretty much just said, we want to talk about this and this is what we do. And I'm like, okay, go for it. It sounds like you, you know, because when I listen to it, it sounds like these are people who you've been friends for years and years and years. But at the same time, you know, it sounds like most of these people you just met just for the sake of the podcast. Um, Only really... We haven't actually known any of them for years and years and years. Um, we met a couple of them, like Goddess and um, Gamer. We met right about this. We met Goddess about a few months before we started doing the podcast, and then she started seeing Gamer um, right when we started the podcast. So he came on board. And the rest of them, you know, we've met, we've known a couple of them for maybe two years. Um, but the rest of them are fairly people that we've met through the podcast or have met through the community that are fairly recent um, acquaintances. Um, but, you know, I will literally have people have just come up to me at a party or something like that. Or email me or something, and they will just say, "I would be really interested in joining you for your podcast. Um, do you have? A, can I do that?" And if you know, if they seem like they would have something to add to it, then I just say, "Yeah." I mean, I haven't really turned anyone away. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a couple of people who I who I tell them it's it's kind of a commitment, da 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 da, and I just laid out for them, and and they. They're like, oh, okay, and they and I don't hear back from them. Yeah, um, you know, there have been a couple of people who, because of the nature of it, have bowed out. Um, but uh, for the most part, uh, we have a, a pretty committed group of people that cycle in and cycle out. Um, you know, they come when they can, and they turn out to just be pretty strong supporters of it. You know, it's, it's been pretty, it's been a really interesting experience on how well it has worked with a very little amount of effort, you know. And I have to say too, I think, I think the reason why it sounds like, uh, everyone in my mind has been friends for a long time when I, when I listen to some of these is that, um, is because there's a lot of laughter, you know, there is a lot of laughter going on and it sounds like a very comfortable atmosphere that you really only get when you know someone very well. But maybe that's just a kink thing. Maybe that's just people are naturally calm around other people who they know are kinky. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just that Dee's laugh sounds so friendly. (laughs) You know, we work... Actually, that is one thing that that we agreed on very early on, is we wanted to be a very relaxed, very friendly um, atmosphere because we get a lot of... We wanted to gear it to... Anybody. I mean, people who are brand new in the community and people who were, had been in the community for a long time. Uh, we just wanted to just be very open and inviting and friendly to them. Uh, and we we wanted to kind of break down barriers. I mean, there was obvious that people on the panel may be a submissive or maybe a, a pet or, or a dominant or a master or a, or a sadist. But we didn't want it to come across as that was the role they were taking on the podcast. We wanted to. We wanted them to sound very approachable. Yeah. And I, in before, if we have anyone new or even before each episode, I just make sure that I kind of go over the rules. And one of the first ones is is don't take anything personally and have fun. You know, disagree if you want to disagree, 
call bullshit on something if you want to call bullshit. But for the most part, we're here to have fun and just have fun. So that has really stuck and that's really worked well for everybody because we do have a lot of fun doing it. In fact, a lot, sometimes we'll even just people hang around for a little while afterwards and have pizza and beer, you know, or just go out and have donuts or something, you know, just, it, it, it has been a lot of fun to do. Utah itself is a character in the podcast. Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> gotta, make, gotta make fun of the place you live in. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, um, I mean, it's not just Utah, but you, you do talk about Mormons as well. And I've learned a lot about uh, Mormons by listening. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get a, uh, a lot of people in Utah emailing you who listen and either either say, hey, thanks for, you know, I've always felt this way about Utah, or do they take great umbrage with the way you portray Utah? Because I don't think you don't portray it in a bad way, really. I think it's, but you do mention Mormons quite a bit. <laughs> That's I just, because I just, you, no it's not like you are ex-Mormons. I hate to interrupt. It's not that I don't want people to think who have never listened. It's not like you talk about Mormons all, the whole time. You just talk more, you talk about Mormons more than the average kinky podcast. We'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, we 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 do, and and to be to be fair, the Mormons, the the Mormons and the Gorians uh, make themselves pleasant targets, um, <laughs> but because um, they're really one and the same. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's you know actually we don't hear much from people in Utah at all. Nope. We the, a lot of the people we hear from are actually overseas, and that that we hear we hear from people in the south and in the east mm-hmm. and some people from california but the majority of emails that i get at least or twitters that i get are from people overseas and that has been a really interesting surprise i mean hell the biggest bulk of our downloads are from china and saudi arabia and and states that you would think would not want to listen to the podcast wow i mean it's monstrous the number of downloads we get from china I mean, I'm like, how the hell are you guys even getting this? I mean, I don't understand. And what are you doing with it? Yeah. <laughs> a cu- I mean, cultural exchange, probably. Yeah, I mean, are- Saudi Arabia, I mean, I mean, the Middle East I can understand because those are probably service people. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, there are a lot of them if there are. Yes, yes. I mean, I was, I was very, very, very shocked when the numbers crept up to 70,000. I mean, I was blasted away. And even by the conservative... I have two different monitoring systems, and one of them is extremely conservative. Mm-hmm. And even that number is is high. I, you know, I mean, it's like I don't understand. I, I just the math doesn't compute for me. I, you know, I don't get it. Obviously, people like it. Yeah, people like it, and we hear from a lot of them. We hear from a from a fair number of people. I wish more of them called that damn Google Voice number. But then again, you know how that is. I know, I know. It's it's horrible. You know, we get plenty of feedback, and it's really good feedback. I mean, it's we've had a couple of people complain. Um, Why about things? Oh, let's see. Um, one person thought that I was instead of saying, you know, we have the joke about North Gorian mm-hmm. and South Gorian, mm-hmm. and this guy on FetLife. Um, thought I was saying North Korean and South Korean, oh, and God, he was yeah. Korean. <laughs> he was a Korean gentleman, and he refused to acknowledge that I was saying Gorean and not Korean, even though I told him. Right. And he just refused. He thought it was a funny joke, but he just refused to believe I was saying Gorean. Um, 
And we've gotten some people uh, commenting on some of the things that we've said about uh, uh, when we've addressed the topic of of kids and BDSM. We've gotten mm-hmm. some people who disagreed with some of those things because there are people who expose their children to it full force. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm pretty vehemently opposed to that. Um, we've gotten complaints about, um, you know, we've raised some of the questions about mental health and BDSM. Uh, so we've gotten, you know, a couple of people have, uh, have raised some issues with that. Uh, you know, the J, the Jay Wiseman crowd. Yeah. <laughs> so. right. Well, there, I mean, the thing is, is that you can do just about anything and someone's going to get pissed about it. Right. 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 And I see that as just kind of positive. I'm like, okay, is if I'm getting a response and cool, if I'm not getting a response, then okay, we won't go revisit that topic. If I'm getting a response about it, then I'm going to revisit that topic at some point. Uh, well, hey, thanks again, both of you for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thanks to Tativalis and Darling Evil from the Dungeon Place podcast. Again, Dungeon Place. Uh, you can just, you know, go to iTunes, type in Dungeon Place, and there you have it. Uh, Tivlis also does uh, the Sadist podcast as well, which uh, you can subscribe to. It's really good. It's actually, if you if you subscribe to Dungeon Place, you also get the Sadist podcast. Two for one. Don't forget, this episode is brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Take a look at their free sex-positive magazine. Yes, it's free. Sexes. For stories and advice from your favorite sex bloggers, some of whom have been on the Massacast. Enter EFCast upon checkout, of course, at Eden Fantasies, and you'll get 20% off your order. Don't forget, you can share your experiences and reviews of their products at EdenFantasies.com. Your honest reviews are always appreciated by not only Eden Fantasies, but other people who are buying the toys as well. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.